up here. We kept our screen working. I don't know about y'all. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found was blind, but now Oh. 
God the glory this morning. Amen. You may be seated. So thankful for God's amazing grace that reached down and rescued us. Good morning. Welcome to Northside Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here. If this is your first time with us, welcome. Welcome. We're thrilled to have you. Uh, there should have been a, a bulletin on your section of chairs. Uh, there's a place for you if this is your first time with us to fill that out. Um, and we're not passing the offering plate, so you can put it uh, in the little box right there on your way out. Also, there's a place for, for prayer requests. Since we haven't been meeting on Wednesday nights to pray, uh, maybe there's something that you would like us to pray uh, about in your life uh, that maybe you haven't had a chance to share with us, so you can write that down. You can put your name on there if you would like, um, and you can put that in the box as well. I want to encourage you, please, to pay attention to um, the bulletin. Uh, as you can tell, we're already getting ready for Bible school. Doesn't it look really good? You can clap for that. It looks really good. Appreciate uh, those who helped decorate uh, for that. The plan at this moment is to continue to have Bible school here uh, on property. Uh, obviously, that could change at any moment, depending on what happens over the next week and a half, but that is still the plans, and we're praying that... that God will be gracious and allow us to do that, and we can be safe in the process. We will take all the necessary precautions to be able to do that. Um, I just want to be able to get to experience something in my first year, not have it canceled and have to wait till my second year to, to get to do it. So uh, I'm looking forward uh, to that. There's some other announcements. Uh, make sure you pay attention um, to those, and then do what they say. Don't just read it, but then do what it's asking you to do. The praying the scripture this morning is Psalm 27. Uh, you probably, well, you can maybe barely see it. Again, it's clear back there if you want to turn and look at it for just a quick second before you pray. Uh, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. God says, seek me. Seek me. So before we continue worshiping together, will you take just a moment right where you are, go to the Lord in prayer in this moment of silence and in, in this moment of, of quietness and just seek the face of the Lord uh, before we continue to worship and then I'll pray in just a moment.
Father God, what a joy, a blessing it is, Lord, to be in your house, to worship you for those, Lord, who are joining online, to be able to worship you, Lord, in their living room or maybe in their car as they're driving today to wherever they're heading. Lord, though they physically can't be here yet, Lord, they can still worship with us. What a joy that is. And in the psalm this morning, we're going to see David's desire was just to to be in the house of the Lord and to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And so, Father, we don't want to miss this moment. We just don't want to show up and be just a participant this morning. No, God, we want to see your glory. We want to be changed through the singing of these songs and through the preaching of your word. We want the Spirit of God to move in this place. Father, you have invited us to seek your face. So here we are seeking you. Some of us may become this morning very confident, trusting in the Lord. Some of us may become afraid, worried, we're fretting, we're nervous about one of many things. Lord, however we come today, we come seeking your face. And so, Lord, as we come, doing what you have called us to do, Lord, we know that you will meet us here. And we know that you will work in us and encourage us and convict us through the preaching of your word. It is good to be here today. And oh God, we want to hear from you. So speak and may we listen. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand, we're going to continue to worship together. Turn around. You can see the words up there. The Lord will hear them just as well looking that way. Okay. I wandered in the shades of night till Jesus came to me. And with the sunlight of his love did all my darkness flee. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin. I have had the sunlight of his love within. The clouds may gather in the sky, bellows round me roll. my soul today sunlight sunlight all along the way since the savior found me took away my sin i have had the sunlight of his love within while walking in the light of god sweet communion fine i press with holy vigor on and leave the world behind Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin. I have had the sunlight of his love within. I will sing of my Redeemer. I will sing of my Redeemer and His wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross He suffered, from the curse to set me free. Sing, oh sing of my Redeemer, with His blood He purchased me. Feel my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. I will tell the wondrous story, how my lost estate to save, and his boundless love and mercy, he the ransom freely gave. Sing, oh sing, of my Redeemer, with his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon, paid the debt, and made me free. Standing, but turn back this way. Curtis, was that the first time you sang to the back of people's heads? (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha!
Everybody looked just a little bit better, didn't they? All right, All right. Psalm 27 is where we're going to be. Uh, I have some notes on the screen, but you probably won't be able to see them, so uh, we probably won't even need to worry about that. Psalm 27, 14 verses long. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 6 uh, right now, but we will get to verses 7 through 14 at the end of the message. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. You may be seated. On his return visit to many parts of the world, Herbert Hoover was asked by a reporter what in his judgment was the prevailing mood of the peoples in the lands he had visited? Here was his response. The dominant emotion everywhere in the world is fear. Fear. This applies to every part of human activity. Finance, industry, farmers, workers, thinkers, and government officials. He'd been around the world and he said the, the overall emotion that he would see everywhere he would go was fear. This morning, there is an answer to our fear. There is an answer to our fear. And so I want you to notice three main points here as we work our way through Psalm 27. Number one, I want you to notice David has confidence in the face of his fears. David has confidence in the face of his fears. Last week, we were in Psalm 27. Three And we know verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will what? Fear no evil. I will fear no evil. And then we come to Psalm 27, verse 1, and David asks a very important question here. He says, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? So what is fear? Well, you and I need to understand that not all fear is bad. Not all fear is bad, right? We, we know of a reverential awe toward God, that we are to fear the Lord our God. That is a healthy fear. We have this reverence and this awe for God. We also know that fear is a vital response to physical and emotional danger. We teach our young children to be fearful, if you will, of certain things. Uh, don't touch the hot stove. Right, We tell them when they're little, don't touch the stove. Why? Because we don't want them to get burned. Now, do we want them when they're 25 to be terrified of the stove? No. They'll never get married if that's the case, right? Uh, we teach our kids, don't walk in traffic. Why? Because that car is bigger and stronger than you. You won't survive. But when they turn 25, do we want them at a crosswalk to be like so terrified to cross the road? No. Right? We teach them when they're little, don't talk to strangers. Why? Because they don't know who they can trust and who they can't. As they get older, they're going to have to talk to people. They're going to have to talk to strangers. But when they're little, we want them to have this healthy fear. That's healthy. But there is an unhealthy fear that paralyzes us. Something that causes feelings of dread or apprehension. Anticipation of the possibility that something unpleasant will occur. Every one of us in this place this morning fears something. Now, what we're afraid of may differ. Fear of death, fear of public speaking, losing a job, a spouse, your children, your health. Right? There's things that you are afraid of that if you're not careful, it will paralyze you because of the fear that you may lose that very thing. David asked the question, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? And here's his answer. It's no one but God. 
We should fear no one or nothing but God. David doesn't have to fear man. He doesn't have to fear circumstances. He doesn't have to fear the unknown. Why? Because as we'll see, God drives out fear. Jonathan Edwards, the well-known preacher, prior to his being saved, was terrified of thunderstorms. Of his own admission, he was terrified of thunderstorms. But after Jesus saved him, he stopped being terrified of thunderstorms and he began to rejoice in them. Because in the thunder and in the lightning, he could see the majestic voice of God in them. Oh, that we might know the God who drives out fear and replaces our fear with one of worship and joy. So who is this God that David knows that causes him to say, I don't have to fear? Look what he says, verse 1. The Lord is my what? Light. The Lord is my light. God is my light. David recognizes that God is our guide. That he will never lead us astray. Therefore, because God is his guide, his shepherd whom he can trust, he doesn't have to fear the unknown. He also recognizes that God as light drives out the darkness. What does Jesus Christ say? He says, I am the light of the world. Right? The light has come into the world. The darkness wants nothing to do with it, but the darkness isn't going to overcome it. The light of Jesus Christ will win. Jesus Christ as the light drives out the darkness, the fear, the trouble in our life. You don't have to be afraid of these things because God is our light. But David also says God is my salvation. He's my salvation. The Hebrew word means deliverance. The Lord is mighty to save. Amen? He is mighty to save and his track record speaks for itself. Fast forward to the New Testament. Salvation is primarily a deliverance from sin, a deliverance from death, a deliverance from Satan through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning, in the midst of sin and agony and suffering and pain and uncertainty, right, we can stand confidently in the person and the work of Jesus Christ because we know who our God is. Therefore, we don't have to fear. David says, God is my light. He is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. The Lord is my refuge. He is my defense. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. In the midst of our weakness and our sickness and our death, we remain confident because God is our refuge. Notice verse 2. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Maybe this morning you're tempted to say, okay, Aaron, this is easy for David to say. Like, what does David know about difficulties? What does David know about living in the midst of a coronavirus? What does David know about these things that we have to deal with in 2020? How can David possibly encourage me that I don't have to be afraid? Well, what does David say in verse 2? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, I don't think I've ever had someone hate me so much that they want to literally eat up my flesh and destroy me. Like they're that bent on bringing harm to me. My adversaries and my foes, right? David is surrounded by an enemy. He knows what it's like to face hard times. Now, in this moment, it could be he's speaking of King Saul when King Saul tried to hunt him down and kill him, or it could be referring to when his own son tried to hunt him down and kill him. David knows what it's like to be backed into a corner or in a cave, and there's no way out. And yet, in that moment, what does he say? I ain't scared, I'm not afraid. Yeah, they're all out there. They want to destroy me, but I am not afraid. And look what he says. It is they who stumble and fall. That's how confident he is in his Lord. Verse 3, God is his confidence. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. 
Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. An army surrounds David. War is rising up against him. His circumstances don't look so good. No doubt he had his enemies. But David also had his God. And David understood that his God is bigger than any army that might come against him. So David is confident. But notice, David is not boasting in his circumstances. He's not boasting in his army. He's not boasting in his own strength. He is confident in the Lord his God, who is his light and his salvation and his stronghold and his victory and his confidence. So David is saying for us, I know what it's like to be in these moments when you may be tempted to be afraid, but I also know what it's like to be so confident in my God that confidence in God outweighs my fears. So David is confident in the face of his fears. And then we come to verse 4, and I want you to notice the second thing this morning is this. David focuses on the Lord and his presence. Verse 4 starts this way in the ESV. One thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord. That will I seek after. One thing. What does David ask for? What does he want? What's the one thing? I don't think I would have blamed David in this moment if he would have said, all right, God, the one thing I want is a stronger army. I need more people here. I don't think I would have blamed David if he would have said, look, God, the one thing I want is more weapons. I need some more artillery. I don't think I would have blamed David if David would have said, look, Lord, the one thing I want is the death of my enemies. I want Saul. I want my son to leave me alone. That's what I want. But that is not what David asked for, is it? Look what he says. There is one thing that I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. That takes me back to Psalm 23, verses 5 and 6. I didn't touch on these verses last week, so I'm going to quickly touch on them this morning. Commentaries, many of the ones I consulted believe that verses 1 through 4, the focus is on the Lord as his shepherd. And then when you come to verse 5, the focus shifts to the Lord being a host. It says in verse 5 in Psalm 23, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's almost as if David is saying, look, I'm surrounded by my enemies, but I'm sitting at the table of the king of kings. I don't have to worry. My you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows, right? These, these speaks of something that's welcoming. David feels welcomed. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then what does it say? I shall dwell in the house of the Lord, what? Forever. David says, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In the 23rd Psalm, I think David is thinking long-term. Like one day he's going to be with God forever and ever. He'll dwell with him forever and ever. When we come to the 27th Psalm, I don't think David has in mind, I'm going to dwell with God forever. In fact, David tells us what he has in mind. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. David's desire in the 27th Psalm is to be in the tabernacle. It is to dwell, it is to be in the house of the Lord, which was in a tent. This was before the temple was built. So the tabernacle was a mobile tent that could be set up and then taken down and they could move it to a different location. It was in the tabernacle, which is where the glory of God, the presence of God would dwell. And so David, having been unable to worship there because he's probably on the run, the one thing he wants is to be back there. Now look, David's not longing for just any place. He's not saying, I'm tired of the cave, I want to go to the tent. It's more comfortable there. No, there's a reason he wants to go to the tabernacle. Because it's there in the tabernacle is where he will worship. It's there in the tabernacle where the glory of God dwells. So here's what David's saying. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. David wants more than nothing in this moment of his life. Than to be in the presence of God. And to behold the beauty of God. To be captivated by the Lord his God. That was his single minded devotion. Was to worship 
his God. You see, David longed for God himself. Church, here's the reality this morning. In a way, it is this simple. It's when you long for God more than the things of this world. When you long for God more than the things of this world, what will happen is you will fear less, worry less, regret less, and fret less. When God becomes your ultimate desire, then the other things you've been trusting in become less important. So examine your heart this morning. Is there something in your life that you are clinging to really, really tightly? That you believe that if you were to lose this thing, your life would crumble, it would fall apart. That you're holding on to it so tightly, trying to control it because you fear losing it will destroy your life. Now look, it could be one of many things for each of us. The longer you hold on to that and the tighter you hold on to that, the more likely you are to worry and fret of losing it. Church, there is freedom when God becomes your single focused desire. There is freedom. Because though you love these other things still, you don't love them more than God. You don't love them as much as you used to. Therefore, you don't have to fret and worry over them. No, you don't want to lose them. But if you were to lose them, you won't crumble. Because Jesus Christ is still your rock. David has a single-minded desire to dwell, to gaze, and to inquire. And church, here's the amazing thing of living on this side of the death, burial, and resurrection. The amazing thing for us is we don't have to go to the temple or the tabernacle to worship God and to see his presence. Amen? You don't have to come here just to see the presence of God. It wasn't like when you're in the parking lot, God's presence isn't there, but the moment you stepped in, you're like, well, ha, I'm in the presence of God. Like, I see his glory. I'm thankful we don't have to do that. Now, listen, there is something amazing and special about gathering with the body of Christ. And in some way, we can relate to David. Because David had to be held back from the temple. He couldn't go for fear of his own life. And for about eight to ten weeks, and for some of you still watching online, it's been longer than that, that was taken away from you. You could not gather with the people of God. There is something special and unique about worshiping with the people of God. But hear me, you don't got to come here to experience the presence of God. Amen? Paul says, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. You, wherever you go, have the presence of God. So what are you focused on? What consumes you? What drives you? What motivates you? What is the deepest longing of your heart? Is it Jesus? Is it to make much of the name of Jesus? Is it to seek and know Jesus? Oh, church, we don't have to fear because Jesus is with us and Jesus drives out fear. Look at verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. David says in verse 5, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. God hides David and he hides us in a safe place. God is our hiding place. Corey Ten Boom wrote a book called The Hiding Place. The story, the book tells the story of her family's attempt to save Dutch Jews from a Nazi roundup during World War II. Half of the book is devoted to Corey and her sister Betsy and their time in a concentration camp. It tells of how they were surrounded by death and sleeping in overcrowded rooms. There were no beds, very little food. The barracks were infested with lice or fleas. And this is how many people lived their life for many months and even years. Corey Ten Boom will survive the concentration camp. She goes on to write The Hiding Place. She goes on to be a well-known speaker. But her sister Betsy dies while in the concentration camp in Germany. 
Corey is reflecting upon her sister shortly before she is released. Listen to what Corey writes. She says, there are no ifs in God's kingdom. I could hear her soft voice saying it. His timing is perfect. His will is our hiding place. Lord Jesus, keep me in your will. Don't let me go mad poking about outside it. Corey Ten Boom suffered more in her life than I will ever suffer in mine, more than I could ever even begin to imagine. And yet in the midst of that, she found that Jesus was her hiding place. And wherever she was, if she was trusting in God, it was his will, and she didn't have to fear, but she could make it through it. Well, church, we don't have to live in fear. For God's will is our hiding place. Rather than fearing man or ISIS or cancer or the coronavirus or our enemies, we trust God knowing he is always with us. His presence drives out fear. Amen? But I want you to notice a third thing. David refocuses on the Lord when his fear returns. David refocuses on the Lord when his fear returns. There are some more liberal scholars, theologians, who argue that Psalm 27 is not really, in its originality, one psalm. That verses 1 through 6 is one, 7 through 14 is another, two separate occasions, and they're sliced together at some point in history. Like, I don't believe that. I believe Psalm 27, 1 through 14 is one psalm that David wrote preserved for us, but I will acknowledge there is a major shift in tone. It's as if David goes from verses 1 through 6 to being confident in the face of fear, and then in verse 7, it's almost as if David's fear has returned and he's praying once again to be confident. Listen, this is true in each and every one of our lives. The fear that you overcome today may show up tomorrow. Some of you walked in here this morning and you would say, man, I'm with David in verses one through six. I'm confident in the Lord right now. I'm trusting him. I'm not afraid. And yet tomorrow, something may happen to you and you'll find yourself more like David is in verses seven through 14. And some of you came in here and you're terrified. There's something in your life you are really, really afraid of. And yet tomorrow you may find that's gone and you may have confidence. Just because you overcome something today doesn't mean Satan's going to say, all right, I'm done tempting you. I'm done attacking you. I'll leave you alone. So there are moments in our lives, if we're honest, where we're really confident in the Lord. And there's other moments where we're struggling and we're afraid. And so when those moments come, what you and I must do is refocus our attention once again on the Lord. And that's what David does beginning in verses 7 through 14. And so I'm going to give you one word for for almost each verse and and just want you to write it down and and be thinking about this, especially when you're trying to overcome fear. So verse 7, here's the word, pray. Pray. David says in verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. What does he pray for? He says, be gracious to me and answer me. David is appealing to God's grace. He doesn't say, answer me because I'm such a good person. Answer me because I deserve it. He says, oh God, be gracious to me. Have mercy on me in this moment of my life. So we begin with praying. Verse 8, write down the word seek. Seek. David says, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. It's as if in the first part of verse 8, God is saying, here I am, seek me, seek me. And then we continue, and it's as if David says, here am I, Lord, show me. Right? You have said, seek my face. My heart says to your face, Lord, do I seek, hide not your face from me. I love what Derek Kidner writes in his commentary. He says, God will not ask for our love and then withhold his own. You may be wondering, man, Do I really need to seek God right now? I'm I'm struggling. Listen, seek God. And if you genuinely seek God, God will meet you right there where you are. He won't call you, say, hey, come love me, and then withhold that love from you. Seek him, and he will answer you. He will show himself to you. Verse 9, we trust. We trust. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. God is our help. 
God is our helper. He is our assistance. He is our supplier. And there may be days where you know that, and there may be days where you struggle with that. And when you're struggling with it, you just come to the Lord and say, Lord, you have helped me in the past. I'm trusting you will help me today. Verse 10, write down the word remember. Remember. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Sometimes people will abandon you. They will turn their back on you, but not our God. It is not his character or his nature to forsake us. Look what David says, the Lord, the Lord will take me in. As a shepherd gathers in his lambs, so God gathers his children in. We need to remember that the Lord will take us in. Verse 11, write down the word learn. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me on a level path because of my enemies. We must learn to say, not my way, not my will, but God, your will be done. Look, church, as, as long as you and I insist on doing things our way, there will always be fear. The fear of maybe we're wrong. The fear of, what if, I, what if I can't do this? What if I'm not enough? What if I can't keep my family safe? What if I can't keep my job? What if I can't be secure? What if I can't make something of my life? As long as we keep trying to do it our way, there's always the possibility that you will fail or you will get it wrong. But you will never go wrong when it comes to trusting in your God. Because God will never get it wrong. So we can trust Him, but we have to learn to continually trust Him Verse 13, write down the word hope. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. David says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David once again begins to trust in God. This time he's trusting in his goodness. He says, I shall look upon. This is confident. David is confident in God's goodness. This is the same confidence Paul has in Romans 8.28 when he says all things work together for what? Good. The confidence that we can have that God is going to work all things together for good. And then one more word, verse 14, is the word wait. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. We are told to wait. Sometimes we do better at moving and walking than waiting. We don't like to wait. We want immediate deliverance, immediate gratification, immediate results. But God always knows best. And because he knows best, we must wait and be willing to wait on the Lord. And as we wait, we don't fear, but we trust. This is the 27th Psalm. In the hiding place, Corey Ten Boom, the day before her sister dies, Betsy says these words to Corey. She says, we must tell people what we have learned here, Corey. We must tell them that there is no pit, that he is not deeper still. They will listen to us, Corey, because we have been here. We have been in the deepest pit. And they will listen to us if we tell them that God in the midst of that pit is good. Church, listen. Listen to David, who has been surrounded by his enemies and his armies and has every reason to be afraid. And yet he says, of whom shall I be afraid? Whom shall I fear? No one, because the Lord is my light and my salvation and my stronghold. Oh, we think of the Apostle Paul. We need to learn from the Apostle Paul who suffered much for his faith in Christ, but through it all remained steadfast in his love for the Lord because he believed the words of Jesus when he said, my grace is sufficient for you. We learn from Paul and we learn from Corey Tinboom, who suffered and went through unimaginable horror and pain. And yet in that, she saw that God was good. Oh, church. But most of all, we learn by looking to Jesus. Who went to the deepest, darkest pit that anyone could ever imagine or fathom. Not only did he suffer immensely. Not only was he hung naked upon a cross in shame, but far worse than all of that is all the sin 
that he bore on his back, yours and mine. And in that moment, all of the wrath of God was poured out on him. There is no deeper, darker pit than that moment. And yet, we know on the third day, Jesus is raised from the dead. And Jesus suffered that. For the joy that was set before him, because he knew on the other side of the cross, not only would he be raised from the dead, but that it would result in the salvation of his people. There is no pit so deep that God in his grace cannot reach you right now. Amen? So do not fear. Do not be afraid. Because our God is for us. The grip of fear can debilitate one's heart, mind, and will. But no matter how deep the pit we find ourselves in, God's presence and his grace that we sing about is greater and deeper still. This morning we must once again put our faith in Christ, be renewed and strengthened, seeking his face, resting in his grace. Here's what I'm going to do. We were going to sing a song, but we won't even be able to sing the, see the lyrics, so then we just got to turn around, and that kind of ruins the moment there. So instead of singing, uh, what we'll do is I just want to give you a moment right where you are, man, just to go to the Lord. Close your eyes, bow your head. It's so easy once we walk out of this building to kind of forget what the Lord is speaking to us about, to forget how he's drawing us, to, to just walk away and forget. So before you do that, man, is the Lord speaking to your heart? Is he laying something upon your heart right now? Maybe you're afraid, maybe you're fretting, maybe you're worried, maybe you're anxious about the unknown, or you, you got a test coming up, or you're worried about a family member, you're worried about your job, there's something that's just consuming you. Can you say with David, whom shall I fear, of whom shall I be afraid? Can you say this morning, the Lord is my light, my salvation, my stronghold? Listen, you can't say that if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. So do you know Jesus have you come to a point in your life where you confess to Jesus your sinfulness? That you confess that you were heading in the wrong direction, living a life of rebellion, and that you've, you've blown it, that you're on your way to hell, and that you realize right now at this moment that the only way to be saved from hell, the only way to be saved from that pit is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Will you confess right now, this morning, that Jesus is the Lord, the Christ, the Son of God, that he is your Savior? Church, we are surrounded by people who are living in fear. It is time the church of Jesus Christ stands up and says, listen, we don't have to be afraid. Oh, yes, I'm concerned about these things, but I'm not living in fear of them because we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. May the world, when they see us as believers, not say, hey, the dominant thing I see among them is fear. But may they say, I see faith. I see a belief in Jesus Christ that even in the midst of the pit that they are in, they are still resting and trusting in Jesus. Take a moment and just, just cry out to the Lord. God, you said, seek me. So, Lord, here we are. Or the second we walk out of this door, maybe even already Satan is bringing this spiritual warfare against us. But we appeal to the name of Jesus. So, God, work in the hearts of those who are here. Work in the hearts and lives of those who have been watching online, those who will watch later this week. Oh, God, transform your people. This can only happen through a supernatural transforming. And so, Jesus, we just want to trust you in all things, every day, because you're worthy of that. You're worthy of that. We love you, and we praise you. And it's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Just a reminder, uh, pay attention to uh, your bulletin. we got a Bible study tonight. David is going to lead a Bible study. They're going to meet at 5 o'clock. Uh, they're finishing up a study 
tonight, and they're going to begin a new study. Uh, it sounds really, really good and interesting and fascinating. And so if you want to know more about that, see David, and he can tell you uh, what, they're, what they're getting ready to start in, in the upcoming weeks. And so I want you to be aware of that. Other, other announcements, please pay attention to them. Be praying for Bible school. Be praying for youth camp, upward soccer, all, all that good stuff that is, that is going on. Any other announcements? Anybody have anything? All right. If you'll stand, let's be dismissed. And let's go to the Lord in prayer one last time. Father God, as we leave here this morning, we pray, Lord, uh, as we read in Numbers, Lord, that you would bless us and that you would keep us. That you would make your face to shine upon us. That you would be gracious to us. Lord, that you would lift up your countenance upon us and that you would give us peace. We leave here in the name of Jesus, as representatives of Jesus. People need Jesus. So God, be with us as we go forth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a blessed day.